Wolf and Luke. And now we come to the thrilling final episode of our radio drama. Ron Wolfley. This is going to make me look kind of freaky. Luke Lipinski. The great Luke Lipinski. <laughs> Devaluing the word great if you follow with Luke Lipinski. <laughs> Wolf and Luke. 98.7 FM. Arizona's sports station. All right, Wolf, I have good news for you. Because we are more than halfway through this show and it's Wednesday, we are more than halfway to the uh, the Cardinals-Panthers game this weekend. Yeah. Here we go, man. It feels good, doesn't it? It really does. It's 8-1 uh, um, and one, in case you forgot. 8-1, and one, of course. The Carolina Panthers coming to town, and it feels a lot different than the last time the Carolina Panthers actually came to town in 2019. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, with who was Kyle Allen? Yeah. Kyle Allen. Kyle versus Ka- uh, Kyler. Yes. Kyler versus Kyle. Yes. Uh, Kyler versus Kyle right there. A backup quarterback and Kyle Allen coming home to actually play uh, at State Farm Stadium. And the Carolina Panthers beat the Arizona Cardinals. That was week three of 2019. Well, I mean, they the Panthers beat the Cardinals last year, too. <laughs> it was Even that was... Uh, you know, we've seen the improvement each year with Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray. The first year when they met, they were 0-1-1. and uh, Last year when they met, they were 2-1. and Remember, Carolina was in that little group with yes. Detroit right there where it did feel like the Cardinals were like, hey, we maybe got this figured out, and Carolina sort of humbled them. Yeah, just a whole completely different vibe, obviously, coming yep. up at State Farm Stadium this Sunday. Yeah, probably on both sides, to be honest, but specifically on the Cardinals' side, they are now eight and one, a game up on the Rams, really kind of a game and a half up on the Rams, and you know that that Monday night game, December thirteenth, at home against the Rams at State Farm Stadium looms large, but it's real. And let me ask you this before we get into this: Is it when you have that like take it one game at a time mentality, or don't look too far ahead? When you're coming up on the bye week, does that make it easier too? Like in terms of being able to cut the season into segments, it's really easy to cut this See, season I love into this. segments. I, I love the fact you brought that up right here because I do believe this is the culture of the Arizona Cardinals. What you just said right mm-hmm. there. They really are all about one and oh or oh and one. They're about this week. It's part of the culture of who they are, Luke. It's one of the reasons why I'm so jacked up about this team is because they're able to do it. And I know that it's the leadership that's going on inside of that locker room, but that's where I start when you talk about culture. The Arizona Cardinals culture is 1-0. That's what it is. We are 1-0. It's not about the bye. It's not about playing the Carolina Panthers. It's not about playing any... It's about 1-0 or being 0-1 on a Thursday night against the Green Bay Packers. It is, it is literally an ability they have to be myopic in their approach and to focus on one game at a time. And it started with Kyler Murray, man, all the way back to his rookie year where they won that first game and he tweeted out 1-0. and Yeah, and everybody's like, you realize that's not your record, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, it is. So I would say, what is, what is the culture? What is the vibe surrounding this team right now? Anytime you're talking about the vibe, you're talking about the culture of the Arizona Cardinals. And for me, it starts with 1-0. and That's it. And then I would say accountability, number two, accountability. This is, this is I know exactly what this is like, where you have superstars that are inside that locker room where there are dudes who will walk up on him and say, knock it off. What are you doing? To the superstar. 
not the superstars walking around to guys that are on the second team yeah. saying, knock it off, what are you doing? I'm talking about everybody inside that locker room has a peer, at least one, and most in most cases, multiple peers that can walk up to them and say, dude, shut up. That's um, it's an underrated quality because you can look around the league, and let's just use Odell Beckham Jr. as an example because he's on every TV all day today. And I'm not trying to single him out. Honestly, I don't really think of him as a superstar at this point anyway. I mean, he had, he's had some good years, and he had an yeah. amazing catch a few years ago. But we'll use him as an example. On the Cardinals, there are players. I'd rather have DeAndre Hopkins than Odell Beckham. Yeah. But I feel like there are guys that would even hold DeAndre Hopkins accountable. There are guys that will hold Kyler Murray accountable. They I'd rather do. have him and than any are. other quarterback right yes. now. Yeah. I mean, think about what and you they just listen, said right though. there. And they listen. It's a two-way street, right? Because you have to have a guy that's willing to go up to whoever <laughs> and, and hold them accountable. Correct. But then you got to have guys that are willing to say, okay, well, I do. I, if that's going to help us win, I'll do that. Exactly right. It's a great point by you, Luke, but it's the truth, the accountability. So when you're talking about the vibe of this team, you're talking about the culture of this team. And the culture of this team starts with 1-0 and and what that means. Everything that that means, one and oh, and then number two, the accountability to walk up on somebody and no matter who it is, no matter how big a star they are, and the Arizona Cardinals have some incredibly talented dudes, they all have peers inside that locker room, and I know that for a fact. This is Steve Weish, who was on with Bickley and Murata yesterday. We play so much audio from the people that clearly... <laughs> don't appear to have watched the team play. Steve Weiss is the opposite. I mean, they just have everything, mm-hmm. you know, working for them. And this is one of these seasons where you look at them like, you know, forget using this as a foundational year. This is the year to win it, right? You know, you went out and you got some veterans, but you've got a good nucleus of young players, especially on defense, playing well, push everything to the middle, which I think they did when they went out and got Zach Ertz, you know, when they did. You know, so besides everything they did, preseason, I think they understand that this is the window because it might not be this glorious next year. So go ahead and win it. And, and look, from what I have seen, from the way Cliff is coached, the way the other coaches on that staff stepped up when he was sick and, and then what they're doing in, in developing players, there is no reason why this could not be the team to come out of the NFC. Yeah, I, I would Bingo. agree. I would agree with that. Again, is it a guarantee? Heck no. No way. It never is. The postseason is something altogether different, period. But are they trending well right now? Absolutely. And that brings up number three when it comes to the vibe of this football team and the culture of this football team. Number three says, we're going to throw it and you will not. We're going to score and you will not. That is that is the vibe. That's the culture this team is cultivated. They are in, I guess, in some ways, maybe the, the tougher conference for what they want to do. Uh, you know, the AFC is so bunched up. There's not really, there's not a ton of bad teams in the AFC. I think Buffalo's potentially great. Maybe Baltimore, Tennessee, before they lost Derrick Henry. There's just a lot of good teams in the AFC. Whereas the NFC, it's it's very spread out. But at the very top. There are, I mean, there's some great teams around the Cardinals with the Rams and the Buccaneers and the Packers and and maybe even Dallas. Uh, I don't know about New Orleans now, although they've played well. But, you know, the very top, when we get into the playoffs, I, I do wonder if we may see a little more mediocrity in the AFC side when we get to the playoffs, whereas the NFC, you've got five, at least four legitimate Super Bowl contenders all sure. in the same conference. 
Yes, and when I say you're going to throw it, that means you're a top 10 team in the National Football League. The Cardinals are number 9 in passing yards per game. They're number 1 in passing yards per play. They're number 2 in points scored. And then you look at the defensive side, you're not going to throw it. They are elite when it comes to stopping the pass in, in terms of passing yards per game allowed and passing yards per play allowed. They're in the top five. Elite. And oh, by the way, you're not going to score. <laughs> They're number three in points allowed. It is, it is a vibe. It is a culture that they are cultivating right now. Accountability. 1-0. We're going to throw it. You're not going to throw it. We're going to score. You're not going to score. That's who they are. And their quarterback is getting healthy in the middle of the season while their team's quarterbacks are dropping. Week 10 of the NFL season kicks off tomorrow night, and there's still time to sign up for Bix Picks. Text PICK to 620-620 to sign up and compete against Dan Bickley for your chance at the grand prize of a tailgate package featuring a Yeti Tundra cooler and grill courtesy of Modelo Especial. Weekly winners will receive a $100 gift card to cold beers and cheeseburgers. Just text PICK to 620-620 to enter. Coming up, we'll discuss the latest news around the NFL, including the statuses of a couple very important quarterbacks. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Leather jacket, cashmere sweater. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right, well, if you start to look around the NFL for this weekend and uh, that that Seahawks-Packers matchup, you know, a week or so ago, or certainly when Russell Wilson got hurt, the thought was, okay, is he going to be able to get back in time for that showdown with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers? Mm-hmm. And now, a couple of days out, he's actually the one, the quarterback in that matchup, more likely to play because Aaron Rodgers is still kind of up in the air with all the COVID stuff. Russell Wilson's good to go on Sunday. He's going to be back. He ended up missing three games the Seahawks went one and two in those three games. He uh, the bye week came at a good time for Seattle, and now he's back. And um, I don't think Seattle's like going to come back and go on some crazy run, but I don't think they're done either because with Russell Wilson, they have a chance to beat most teams left on their schedule. They have nine games left though; they're three and five, and two of those games are against the Cardinals. So Arizona is going to have a big hand in saying whether or not Seattle gets to sneak into a wild card spot. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point right there. Honestly, right now, Russell Wilson is, he's just fantastic. Love watching Russ play, and what a franchise quarterback. He has truly developed into the Seattle Seahawks, obviously, as most franchise quarterbacks are wont to do. Totally makes them a contender. Um, This year, though, it's just everybody else. It's not just Russ. It's their line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball that I think is going to take them out of contention. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what's got them to this point, right? It's not like they were undefeated with Russell Wilson, then he went down and they started to fall apart. Correct. But, uh, you know, as we've seen in the past, Russell Wilson can... um, can make everybody around him look a lot better. This is Pete Carroll on Monday talking about the return of his quarterback. This is a remarkable story of recovery and uh, really a a guy set an intent that he was going to do this and pull it off and he's way, way ahead of schedule and uh, we just came off the practice field and he threw the ball all over the place so he he um, he did really well for the first time out um, in a limited amount of plays but um, 
I mean, everything about it, you know, we knew that Russ was going to go for it, and we didn't know if, you know, if his body could respond, but it did. And uh, his team that worked with him and helped him through, throughout um, did a remarkable job. And, and uh, so, you know, we'll just go one day at a time, see how it goes. And, and I know he's thrilled to be back. Everybody's excited to see him back out here. And, and uh, so it's, it's an amazing accomplishment to be back just throwing like he just did on the practice field is a great uh, achievement. Do you think you're going to run the ball better, Coach? That is the question that I would ask you right now. Are you going to run the ball better in between the tackles in particular? Not only that, I would say, are you going to be able to stop the run? Um, what about the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball, Pete? That, that's what I would like to know about. So where his confidence level is on that. What about this? Okay, so you've got Seattle gearing up, and you figure, okay, here we go. we got Russell Wilson back. This is our chance to make a run. Their first two games are in Green Bay and then at home against the Cardinals mm. next week. Um, there's another way to look at this, though. This could be the last nine games for Russell Wilson with the Seahawks. I mean, that's that's Whoa. entirely possible, right? Whoa. I mean, yeah, talk, he talked about that last offseason. There's rumblings that it's even more prevalent this offseason coming up. I would say one could only hope. <laughs> yes. Go to the AFC, <laughs> Russell. Exactly, just, Russ, what are you doing? <laughs> Russ, honestly, it's your time has come. It's time for you to move on and go home. Let's find him a team. There's got to be an AFC team that's uh, Miami. You want to go to Miami, Russell? Just go over to Miami. They were once a playoff team last year, and now they're horrible. Go play quarterback for them. Where's Russ from? Where's Russell Wilson from right now? It's time to go home. Yeah, Russell. Let me make sure you're not from like San Francisco. Richmond, Virginia. Richmond, Virginia. There we go. Right there. So um, Washington, it's time to go home. That's still in the NFC, though. Um, Yeah, that's still. But, hey, it's a lot better than the NFC West. That that is true. I'd like him in Washington. Um, No, you can't. Can't have him. Come, Sorry. come home, son. I'm not allowed to have any fun, Luke. That's well, you chose to root for Washington. That's not my fault. No, uh, my yeah. dad stuck me in front of a TV when I was a kid. Well, what else do we have out there, though? You know what, Rick? Honestly, is it? Do you have a cut from OBJ? Do you have something about Odell Beckham Jr.? Do you anything? You uh, have I've got on something that? Odell. What here? do you this got? Is, this that? is Kimberly Martin talking about uh, Odell Beckham to Green Bay. Makes sense, but uh, may not happen. I would prefer to go to Green Bay uh, personally because I think when you have an Aaron Rodgers, like you're a Super Bowl contending team off off the bat. But I, I was told that that would probably not happen. So I'm interested to see if he does pick Green Bay. Uh, Seahawks were the team I was told from jump. Okay, so here's, here's let me throw some teams out Seahawks here. Seahawks, yeah, for, from for the jump for Odell. Okay, so he has said, or his camp, or somebody who knows him, or whatever, somebody on social media said that it's narrowed down from Odell's perspective, to Green Bay, Kansas City, and New Orleans. Now, (laughs) the Seattle thing has been floated around for a while, and that's why Pete Carroll yesterday was like, you'll see. And and I will tell you, Wolf, all along to me, the one that has made the most sense is New England. Yeah. So let's rule some of these out, okay? (laughs) Like, is he really going to go to New Orleans? They don't have a quarterback. Yeah. I mean, going to Kansas City makes some sense. Because you're going to play with Patrick Mahomes. No, I'm just telling you right now, Kansas City, stop there. That's, that's it. Where he, that's where he's going. See, I do think going to Green Bay would make some sense too, because who do you have after Devonte Adams? Um, Alan Lazard. Okay, he's got like 180 receiving yards this year. Yeah, I know. Um, what's your point? <laughs> he could have 190 uh, if he tried harder. Honestly, right now I, I look at the the Kansas City Chiefs, and I think that is a possible destination right there for OBJ. And the reason being is because this offense really has not been the same. It has not been the same since Sammy Watkins left 
another, a true number two receiver, in my opinion. They have McCall Hardman, of course. He's the one guy that is out there to me. Um, he's questionable, in my opinion. He's got a ton of speed. There's no doubt about it. Tyreek Hill. You put Tyreek Hill over an OBJ, and now maybe you got something, especially with Travis Kelsey as your tight end. This this could be this could be big right here in OBJ. I would I would assume would love to go play with the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, yeah, how would you not? I mean, in the position he's in, I think you want to go play with a great quarterback to potentially revive your career. Um, because he does need his career revived at this point. Don't you agree? Oh, he, totally. He was yes. he was a, a potentially great player. But like four years ago, and it's not like he's done now, but you got to be careful if you're picking at this point. You got to make sure you go to a situation where you are playing with a Patrick Mahomes or an Aaron Rodgers, which, you know, maybe to that point, New England doesn't make sense. Even though he might have some success there, he would have to go play with a rookie quarterback. Yeah, you know, again, um, I think the Kansas City Chiefs make an awful lot of sense for an Odell Beckham Jr. Not only that, too, you got a team that is well-established, right? you got a bunch of veterans that are in that locker room with the Kansas City Chiefs, a bunch of guys that have experienced a ton of success. Hey, you know what, Odell? You're not going to walk in here and think you're all that in a bag of chips because we've all been here for a while, and we've done some things, by the way, without you. Thank you. Well, and when you get released mid-season, don't you you kind of fall into that expendable territory where if if I'm Kansas City and I go pick up Odell Beckham Jr., I'm thinking this guy can help us get back and we may win a Super Bowl. But if he's going to be a problem, we'll just get rid of him again. Who cares? Right? I mean, when when a team has already let you go in the middle of the season, aren't you kind of expendable at least to whatever team picks you up that season? I think Odell could get back on track certainly and maybe it is Kansas City. I don't know why Seattle's name keeps popping up. Seattle is the team that yeah. needs him the least to me of of these teams. Oh man, they got DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Yeah, they're blowing it up. Both those guys. They've got other needs outside of just Odell Beckham Jr. Um, so I mean, we'll see though. As as Pete Carroll said, you'll see. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at six twenty six twenty right now. Coming up, the Coyotes won their first game of the season over the weekend. We'll speak to their head coach Andre Tourney ahead of their game with Minnesota tonight. Next, it's the Wolf and Luke Show on ninety eight seven FM, Arizona Sports Station. Ninety eight Arizona Sports Station. This is the Coyote Coaches Show with Wolf and Luke. Brought to you by Bell Ford, where it's all about the experience. One small step off I-17 in Bell, one giant Ford store. Welcome back to the show. The uh, the Coyotes back in action tonight at home against the Minnesota Wild, and we are joined now on the 72-sold sports line by their head coach, Andre Tourney. Uh, coach, first of all, let's start with that win on Saturday. You get your first NHL win, and it was done in pretty dramatic fashion as well. Yeah, it was a, it was a good show for the fans, right? There mm-hmm. was a lot of gold, a great comeback. Uh, like you said, a, a great finish, so... That was a that was a sweet one. I think the the guys worked really hard for a week to uh, to get a reward, and finally we got a reward. So hopefully now we we had the monkey off our back, get rolling. How nice was it too to see Lawson Kraus of all people get two goals, but also the game winner because he has kind of been the heart and soul of the team through the first month. Absolutely, I totally agree with you. Yeah, Krauser since the start of the camp, yeah. 
he works really hard and he has a great attitude every day and he give it all. So uh, he, he does a lot on the ice. He's not just scoring goal for him. It's, it's his presence defensively, the speed he brings, the physicality. The, he's, he's a textbook player. So it was good to see him get a reward. Coach, did you celebrate at all? Not much, honestly. That was uh, I was I was tired. We're all happy. We're all the coach together. But uh, I did not do much after the game. I was uh, just uh, relieved, happy, smiling, and uh, get ready. And next day, I had a good day off. I went for so, a little bit of hike and yeah. special. So, coach, what did you say to your guys after that game? Though, I mean, obviously, your first win of the season. What did you say to them? How did you want them to process that? Uh, what, what I told them after is I was uh, I, I think we played a lot of good games and uh, I was uh, the frustration was high because they didn't get a reward and I was feeling I was feeling bad for them because they uh, they deserved to win before that but that that win was uh, a good testimonial of their character and I was proud of them that's what I told them. Talking to Coyotes head coach Andre Turney, yeah, to the point that you just made right there, I mean, they, they were sticking with it. They were playing some of their better hockey so far this season leading up to yeah. that game. Are you encouraged yeah. by the fact that they did not get discouraged by some of those rough finishes against, like, Washington and Carolina? Yeah, I uh, really, uh, absolutely. They, uh, they have a lot of uh, character, and their work ethic is great. You know, we did, uh, when we talked this summer, we did want to, change uh, culture and having that kind of a culture of work ethic and character and never quit and uh, never say the high attitude and uh, really happy about the way the, the boys are doing it right now. What did you do well in that game specifically, Coach, to win that game? <clears throat> you know, we, uh, we we were much better in our breakout. We um, the, Instead to try to do the perfect play, <clears throat> sorry, Instead of do the perfect play with the puck, we uh, we move the puck up. We create good speed off our breakout, and the trouble. <coughs> Sorry, guys. <coughs> the trouble was up the, our zone, and that gave us momentum to go in offense and make plays. Uh, talking to Coyotes head coach Andre Tourney, Carol Vimelka has been so good for you guys this season. Kind of a, a revelation throughout uh, development camp and, and training camp. But at the start of that game, you know, he was he was the one you had to pull a minute in. And, and that, I, I get that that's not like a reflection on what he's done, but did you just feel like your team needed a jump start there? Yeah, that's exactly what it was. And, you know, that was a the, the little bit sour taste in that game because, like you said, he was our best player since the start of the season. So uh, it's not like he, he, uh, he deserved to get pulled. It's just we needed a little uh, spark there and we needed to um, – Turn, turn the 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 tie, and uh, we we went in that direction. And actually, Wedge was really really solid, but uh, it's not a uh, it's not because Wedge was not uh, good or whatever. There were those two play were uh, really quick play, and the way it happened, we we needed a little bit of a change of momentum. Coach, what can you tell us about the Minnesota Wild? You're going to be taking on here tonight. Yeah, it's uh, the team is really good in the, in the ozone. They, uh, in the when they are in ozone, they create a lot of traffic at the net. They're one of the best team in the league to uh, for screenshot and rebound. So we'll need to be really good around our net. And as well, they uh, on their transition, they attack at four. They're, they are really involved in the offense. So uh, for us, it will be to keep going with the the job we did on our breakout and making sure we gain the next zone 
and as well we we uh, last game even if it's a win we we can be better around our net on those rebound situations protecting our net son and we will need to make a, a step in the in the right direction in that game there was a stretch there where, where offense and generating uh, goals was an issue, and yet through all this, Shane Gostisbehere has nine points already in 12 games. Is he doing anything specific where, I mean, to be a defenseman and to be around nine goals like that through these first few games is impressive? Yes, it is. Uh, uh, Ghost has a really good hockey sense. He, he can move the puck really well, and uh, I think uh, he's, he's a big big contributor for us. He, but he played with confidence as well, and uh, he makes really good outlet pass. So, yeah, he's one of uh, the really positive uh, uh, contributions to the start of the season, no doubt about it. Coach, what have you seen from Barrett Hayton? He's a guy that has interested me. Um, what what exactly are you seeing from Hayton? You know, Hayton, he does a lot of good things. He's, he's that kind of a guy who... His uh, performance is not always the reflect of the scoreboard. The guy who wins his draw, uh, he competes really hard uh, in his battle, down low, in our zone, in offensive zone. And he, he has good skill as well. He can he can make plays. So he's the kind of player who can play with an offensive player, but as well he's reliable. He's a 200-foot player, and he does a lot of good things on the ice. He's the kind of guy who will create room for his teammate. He will, will make some pick, some cutoff. He will... He will finish his check. So he's a he's a guy who grew a lot in the last couple of years. Grew his game to a complete game. Coach, thanks so much for the time. Congratulations on that first win. Good luck tonight against the Wild. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Thank Coach. You That's Coyote said. Coach. Guys. Coyote head coach Andre Torrini joining us on the 72 Sold Sports Line. Get your price at 72sold.com. When we come back, Cliff Kingsbury uh, spoke to the media today. We'll get into what he had to say specifically about Eno Benjamin. I, I want to play this clip for you when we come back. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. You've been listening to the Coyote Coaches Show with Wolf and Luke. Brought to you by Bell Ford, where it's all about the experience. One small step off I-17 in Bell. One giant Ford store. 98.7 FM. Arizona's Sports Station. Hi, this is Cliff Kingsbury, and you're listening to 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Let's go Lucky Ram, Lucky Ram, Lucky Ram to start. Here we go. I feel like we've added a lot of key um, additions to the team. You know, from year one to now, yeah, we're in a good spot. I think the accountability on this team with a lot of the leaders we brought in is, has really, I guess, leveled up. Cliff Kingsbury has to go from, like, really good offensive mind to head coach in the NFL. Wolf and Luke talk Cardinals now. What you know about rolling down in the when All right, Wolf, this is already, this segment's already off to a better start. It didn't take me three tries to turn my own microphone on. So it's not like something I do 50 times a day, and this time, yeah. <laughs> 15 minutes ago, I just couldn't turn it on. I'm proud of you. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that, uh, that support in my time of need. I'm going to play this clip right here. This is Cliff Kingsbury today. Because Eno Benjamin's going to play a role on this team now. He had two career carries going into Sunday. He had nine carries in that game, 39 yards, a really nice touchdown run. Uh, And I've said this before. When I watched him at ASU, I thought, okay, this guy might be the most NFL-ready running back ASU has had since I started following ASU. And yet, you know, he gets drafted, doesn't get any time on the field last year. And so they asked Cliff today, what was uh, what was Eno's status with this team 
before this season? Yeah, it was it was the entire year. Uh, he was hanging on by by a thread, um, but he came back a, a different guy uh, from day one of training camp on. And even when we had the couple of weeks with the players here, you could just tell there was a different type of focus, different type of attention to the detail, and um, the physicality he showed on special teams has been tremendous. And the physicality in the run game, you saw the other day, lower his shoulder and. Um, scoring that touchdown run he's been great and you can see the team is really proud of how far he's come and uh it's it's a great story so far it reminds me so much of chase edmonds i've said this many times before but he really does and again i'm not talking about the production of chase edmonds i'm not talking about going out and he's gonna be chase edmonds he doesn't i'm talking about from a skill set perspective he reminds me an awful lot of Chase Edmonds. He does. Yeah. The, the, the makeup, his personality, the intellect of Chase Edmonds. Um, Eno Benjamin, very, very smart guy. He walks around in the back pocket of Chase Edmonds for the most part. His stature, he's very similar in terms of size and speed overall. Um, but you know, he doesn't, he, he, he's got to go out and prove that he can play like Chase Edmonds. Yeah. Big difference. Yeah. And you, you gotta, you gotta do it for more than just one highlight reel play. But that, that play, if you watched him at ASU, he made plays like that at ASU. And, and they, there was the one year at ASU where he was just all world and he was in the perfect situation with Herm Edwards. There was the next year where the offensive line was beat up and inexperienced and he had to grind for every yard. But yeah. there were games where he won ASU almost single handedly. And I know college football is not the same as the NFL. But that play was reminiscent of what we saw him do at the college level. And that that's a cool quote right there from Cliff to say, uh, yeah, he was hanging on by a thread last yeah. year. And and I think he probably realized it and came in and, and now look at him. What else you got for me? I got some Kyler Murray. See, this is the benefit of doing the show in this time slot. We have all the Kyler Murray audio before anybody else. So what we else, can sit Kyler? here and, and play it right now. Here uh, they asked him about that pass that Christian Kirk threw. So I thought it was great. I thought it was great. Um you know, I, I, it just it could have been a little bit better. Uh, it would have been a touchdown, but I, I thought it was a it was a good ball. It was a good ball. It's a true quarterback right there. Just, yeah, it was all right. You're such a snob, Kyler. <laughs> could no, have been a it touchdown. It was a good ball. Yeah, it was all right. It was a good ball. Uh, talking about James Conner's three-touchdown performance that apparently wasn't good enough for NFC Offensive Player of the Week. James, man, he's one of those guys where everybody in the, you know, that huddle just feeds off his energy. Uh, once he gets going, you know, he's a tough guy to stop. Obviously, he's a bigger back, you know, real versatile, uh, can catch. Uh, can do it on the ground, so you know to have him and Chase. Obviously, Chase went down, but uh, and then you, like I said, I've seen, I've told you, I'm confident in all our guys. You, you throw in Eno, he he finally gets to touch the field, gets a touchdown. It's um, those guys love each other. They're excited to see each other succeed. Um, but you know, James obviously he stepped up to the plate when Chase went down um, and, and carried the load. So it was um, it was good to see him. You know, have that day. Can I tell you something right now? There is nothing. There is absolutely nothing in the football universe that will jack up a sideline like a running back that will stoke you, yeah. truck you. Better yes. than a big hit? Yeah. No, I, I'm telling you right now, honestly, when – I mean, the defense in particular. You're talking about our defense. When they see James Conner line up and truck somebody. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah! What are you going to do about it? Right? Even the defense rallies around that. The offense, for the most part, they, they've come to expect it. 
But the defense will rally around a running back that is a big dude who loves to dip and rip on guys. I I will tell you right now, Basin Ornings, I've never seen James Conner run the ball the way that he is right now. And yes, there, there's no doubt my older brother Craig is influencing me very, very much in this regard because he's watched James Conner since James Conner came into the league. And he's saying, man, he's finishing runs better than I've ever seen him do it. Whether he's running the ball after a catch or he's trucking it in between tackles, he is finishing runs. And we've seen that firsthand. The physicality of James Conner right now, um, it's exactly what the Arizona Cardinals needed, wasn't it? The physicality of James Conner. And it's getting everyone jacked up. The offensive line gets jacked up when they watch a guy give the kind of effort that James Conner is giving. It fires them up. And then again, the defense, the way it'll just fill you with morale. You know what? This game is about blood. And it's about big hits. And it's about driving the other guy into the ground against his will. It's still about that. Believe it or not. It's still about that. And anytime you got a James Conner who's doing it, man, that will fire up a team. Um, have we gotten to the point where James Conner goes off for three touchdowns and is big in the running game and is big in the passing game, and when they vote on NFC Player of the Week offensive, they're just like, eh, it's well, just another Cardinal. Have. Of course we have. Because now on the other side, why didn't Marcus Golden win defensive player of the week? Oh, three sacks. Because <laughs> somebody had four. I, I, did they? I don't know. I don't see anybody with four. Like Matt Ryan won Offensive Player like, of the Week. Yeah. And he had like, you know, he had a good game. Hey, listen, we gave that out in the beginning of the season. We gave it to Kyler. Yeah. No more Cardinals, apparently. That's all they're about. Exactly right. We gave it to Chan. We gave it to Kyler. Knock it off. That's um, enough out of you guys. I think Matt Prater snuck in and got one of the special well, that's, teams. That's right. That. Matt Prater. Yeah. For just <laughs> throw Matt Prater in. I, Matt Prater, you want to talk about a guy that has flown under the Steve Kime radar? Good. You want to talk about what a great acquisition I got so tired was? of talking about kickers in oh, the last five goodness. years. Oh, my goodness. And by the way, Zane Gonzalez having an awesome year as well. It's great. Good it's for great him somewhere else. Absolutely yeah. right. You could tell last year with Zane it wasn't going to work here anymore because he was in his own head here. He was. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, let me get to another one from Kyler Murray. As much as we talk about, you know, hey, this is um, maybe an opportunity if Kyler's not 100%, get Colton there. Uh, yeah, I don't think Kyler Murray's feeling that. They asked him if the week off recharged him at all. I wouldn't say recharge. Um, I, guess I, I don't like missing any, you know, any time. You know, so recharging for me, it wasn't, you know, when you're rehabbing, I, I feel like you're, you're already, you know, as soon as the season starts, you're already kind of getting beat up. And then, you know, if you get an injury, you, you know, you're, you're plus that. Um, you're just kind of behind the eight ball a little bit. So I, I don't think there was any recharging for me, but. And mentally, I mean, it's not fun either, not you know being able to be yourself and play. So He totally has been consistent on that, and I love yeah. him for it. I love him for it, seriously. I remember recharge. He, this is a guy who doesn't like the bye. No, I, know, that's, I was, was going to say, I was going to say, I remember his rookie year, and he had the bye week, and we were out there at practice, and they're like, okay, what'd you do for the bye week? And he's like, I waited for it to be over so I could play football. Yes, like I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but yes. that's essentially what he said. He's like, he I don't like the bye like weeks. The bye. Oh, I hated the bye. I did. 
I couldn't stand the bye week. I, I you don't say. I, no, I, honestly, it's the it's the truth. I, I hated the bye base. I mean, it was because once you got into the football season, the the mentality was just there, uh, right or wrong uh, or indifferent. It was there the mentality, and I never wanted to feel like <sighs> like a civilian. And that's the way I felt when I was in that locker room and in week after week after week, you were, you were going out on the football field and you were engaging in the essence of the blood sport and you were striking the eye black on and you were, you were playing in a very physical, hyper aggressive alpha male paradigm. And you walked in every day and you, you were in your element, you were in it and the context was beautiful and and then suddenly it all stopped for a week. And it is I, a little unnatural, isn't it? It was so weird. Yeah. It was one of the reasons why I started writing poetry, ladies and gentlemen, was because of going out on the field and, right? Just totally giving everything you had and then walking outside of those white lines and loving people and respecting people and treating them better than yourself. The juxtaposition of those two things, weird. How am I supposed to wrap up the show on that? I don't know. All right, here we go. Thanks to uh, Aaron Maloney, Jesse Morrison behind the glass for Wolf. I'm Luke. we got Burns and Gambo coming up next on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station.